I, I really don't like Jim Carrey. Terrible, just a, a cheesy actor. You don't like Jim Carrey? Oh, come on, dude. We're talking about... Not, a, not even the slightest bit. He's annoying. Welcome to Think, Act, Get with James Shremko and Ezra Firestone. What you think determines how you act, which results in what you get. So join in now as we discuss how you can think differently, act faster, and get high-performance results in your business. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Think, Act, Get. Ezra Firestone here, my partner, as always, James Schrenko. James, how you doing, man? Hey, going well. Thanks, Ezra. It's great to get back on Think, Act, Get. Yeah, I'm excited about it. And this episode is a doozy. This is what we like to call the dipsy doodle, the dirty diaper dandy. Get your hand out of the cookie jar, pull your fingers out of the tomato juice, and get your spoon out of the mashed potatoes and call your Uncle Joe because we're talking about the moral code. We're talking about business ethics. So you said dipsy doodle. Is that... It's the dipsy doodle. You know, when someone pulls a dipsy doodle on you, it's like someone, you know, they're trying to swindle you. They're trying to hit you with the dipsy doodle. Right. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Never heard about getting the dipsy doodle? I haven't. I don't. I'm yet to be dipsy doodled as far as I know. (laughs) Wow. I think you've probably, I think someone's probably hit you with a dipsy doodle, dirty diaper dandy. You just didn't know about it. All right. Well, tell me how this one works. So I'm not sure if, let's, let's remind the listeners that when we get on the line, we open up the show notes and Ezra, you set the tone for the show. You, you set the topic and I am completely blind to the topic. So you're going to get this straight off the cuff (laughs) and uh, this, this should be fun just having a look at the topic. Yeah, this is an interesting one, you know, because morals and ethics, and I'm sorry that I was a little bit goofy about it. Um, it's a very serious topic. Morals and ethics play a huge role in business and life, and they often go untalked about, but it's, it's good to know where you fall on the spectrum because ethics are key to business, you know, how you pay your employees, to what kind of marketing strategies you use, to how honest you are with yourself and the other people in your life. And so some of the questions we have to discuss today are what is the moral code and how are ethics defined and who says what's right and wrong? So that's what we intend to find out today. Love it. Let's roll. Well, the first uh, thing we're going to get into is this thing that you hear all the time in business, which is the customer is always right. And I want to talk about my viewpoints on that, and then I want to talk about your viewpoints on that. So is the customer always right? This is sort of like the age-old chicken and egg question in business. And my viewpoint is that they're not always right, but I always treat them like they're right anyways. So the customer is definitely not always right. You know, the, oftentimes the customer is wrong. But I think the what they mean by the customer is always right when you hear it all the time is you ought to always treat your customers like they're right. And one example of that is I take my e-commerce businesses. I don't care if someone is blatantly swindling me. For example, someone might order a product, use it for three days and send it back and they intended to do that. They knew when they were ordering it that they were going to send it back or they knew that they were going to ask for a refund. And I don't care. I will give people a refund no matter what, every single time, I will just refund them their money because I don't want to keep anyone's money who doesn't want me to have it, regardless of their, you know, regardless of how they came at it in the first place. Because I just feel like that, you know, most people aren't going to try to screw you. So you might as well just try to do the right thing. Oh, uh, I, I mean, I think I'm coming at a different angle to this one, Ezra. This is going to be an interesting discussion. <laughs> I, I figured we were going to disagree on this one. Now, think about this. I want to paint a, a picture for you. It is, uh, it's seven o'clock on Sunday night. You've worked all week. You are manning the showroom. 
of a Mercedes-Benz dealership and then a family walks in with six people and then they want to drag you around the showroom and look at every single car, bust your nuts for the cheapest possible price and sign a contract to purchase that vehicle after they've done their shopping around all week. And then on Monday morning, the phone rings, 9 o'clock, they've changed their mind. In other words, another dealer's contacted them, found out they've purchased and offered them a better deal. Well, I'm sorry, but I don't want to hand their money back. And I think if you just hand it back and you don't challenge them, you're actually educating them that that is perfectly acceptable behavior. So I am all about re-educating people to show them sometimes that they need to be responsible and accountable for their actions. And when they enter into an agreement, then the agreement should stick. How do you know? So I don't offer refunds. I don't offer refunds on my products and I don't get refunds. I had less than 1% per million dollars refunds because I'd rather show people enough of the product for them to be able to make an informed decision without having to take a risk. For that reason, I give away, if you were to have a look at a site uh, like fastwebformula.com, I actually show the first module from most of my courses for free on the sales page and it's like, check it out, look at all of these videos and if you're still not sure, then ask me as many questions as you want. But once they sign up and join, I can't then unlearn the stuff out of their head. It's like teaching someone how to cook and then they want a refund on the cooking course after they know how to cook because they no longer need the information anymore. You know, it's a good point that you make about information. And I think that this, the, the way I come at it is because I'm retailing lower ticket physical products and I just don't want to deal with an unhappy customer. Now, thinking about. Ah, so you see, what you're talking about is the, the, the cost and time and effort of administration or fighting yes. the refund than the reward at stake. Now, going back to my original example, when I've spent all week, I'm tired, it's late, my family's sitting at home and I'm walking around the showroom with these time wasters who want to then refund. That I'm watching five or $600 commission be transferred from my pocket back to that greedy customer and across to some other salesperson who did nothing except for be the lowest guy in the marketplace and in, even encourage them to break their contract because everyone knows that signing up a contract doesn't really mean you're signing it up. You can still ask for a refund even if you're not entitled to it. So I suppose that's the real question is given that you're going to be dealing with these people, is the energy and effort that it takes to fight them on it worth worth it? Yes, because if I don't fight it, I'm just basically taking, I'm letting them take from my self-esteem and say I'm not worth their deposit. I didn't earn that money. I didn't show them the value in the vehicle. Uh, and it's all lost. So I think I've always fought refunds. I'm passionate about the value that I create. And I go to great lengths to earn the sale, not to buy it, not through discounts or cheap tactics. So I guess uh, th that's my position on it. And it's working really well for me because I think I've got the best customers in the business. I'm only dealing with people who have passed through those filters, who accept their responsibility and they understand what they're getting into and they proceed willingly and that's why I have so few administrative hassles with refunders because I'm not hyping them, I'm not incentivizing them and I'm not, I'm not inviting them to take advantage of me. You know, I will attest to that also. Your communities of people are really, really good communities so perhaps that's something I should ta uh, reconsider. Uh, good on you. <laughs>
okay. So, <laughs> well, you know, and then that's the whole point of this show. It's not for us to just agree on everything, and and uh, one of us is right and one of us is wrong. Probably, on the flip side, I am missing out on extra sales that I could be making. And then, if I wanted to really build a business that works without me. I shouldn't even be so close to it that it would affect me. So probably in your circumstance with low volume volume items where the business is semi-automated, maybe your position on it's pretty good and that certainly worked well for companies like Zappos. Yeah. Yeah, it's worked really well for us too, but you know, I'm moving in the direction of selling information products, so it's something to look at and uh, I have a different viewpoint on it now after hearing you. You're a good salesman, I have to hand it to you. So, I think this brings <laughs> I'm us I'm not selling you anything. Well, you're not just selling to be me anything. You're just you're That's making all. you're making good points that have me reconsider. You know, I'm open. I'm not one of these people who stands really hard in my viewpoints. I'm open. If I hear better information, I'm willing to take it and operate from there, you know. I'm not stubborn in that way. So, this will be interesting. How Should we tackle the customer is always right one? We did. So now we're moving on. Oh, hang on a second. I'm, I'm still biting on that one. You know I put out a post recently about this. You know who always says the customer is always right? The customer. The moron customer. The one who's always wrong. The one who is so stupid they can't even figure out what is going on and they want to fight you to it and they're just completely incompetent or incorrect. And no. the only thing they can say is that the customer is exactly. always right because they don't have this a guy, leg to stand this, on. Harvard-educated guy was telling me that the customer is always right. Even though this guy, we gave him specific advice to do this and to do that. He paid us to give him this advice. He then didn't take the advice, did not make the changes, did not get the result that he was hoping to get. And then when he queried it, we explained to him that we'd had advised him to do this and showed it to him and he didn't choose to do that. But he's still arguing that he's right. I don't know how he came around that. In the end, he sent me a article link to a Harvard case study where talking about how the customers, what the company should be in business for. I agree with that. I understand that the only purpose for a business is to make a profit and you do that by obtaining and keeping a customer. And I'm familiar with that concept. And I also believe, and that's why I don't take equity investors, I don't have shares in my business I own the business because I want to I want to do the best thing by the customer, not the shareholder. I'm the only uh, shareholder of the business. And when I look after the customer, they look after the business and the business looks after me, right? So I'm already aware of that. But this guy even incorrectly uh, made spelling errors, you know, on his submission to me that I need to understand that the customer is always right. In this case, I decided that he doesn't qualify to be a customer of ours and we terminated our service agreement and I feel much better for not having to deal with a customer of that caliber who thinks they're right. They can just be pure trouble. So definitely the customer is not always right. You feel good about that one? Well, I'm, I'm adamant about it because I've seen it a few times and, and it just strikes me as the, the last three times that I can specifically remember this quote are the three most difficult customers and, and it's just a classic how the worst customers hang on to this excuse. Yeah, I think there's no question as to whether or not the customer is always right. They're obviously not always right. The question is how do you choose to deal with them and I think that for me, it depends on the value of that customer. You know, if it's a $35 costume wig, well, then I'm going to, you know, just, hey, you can have the 35 bucks. I don't care. But 
you know, when you're selling higher ticket stuff, Mercedes Benz, I don't know. It's a different story. For me, it doesn't make any difference, the price. For me, I stand by my value system, regardless if it's a dollar or if it's $10,000, I'm not going to compromise. And that is why you are the one and only James Ramco. <laughs> I'm a rare, I'm a rare uh, I, bear. <laughs> well, let's move on to, to where I, I'd like to find out here now in the SEO world, right? We've got white hat, we've got black hat. Now, the question is, is Black Hat SEO immoral? And if so, why? Immoral to whom? Well, do you believe it is ethical to participate in Black Hat SEO? You know, spam this and bunch of forum posts and all that crap. Well, I think it's valueless. It, it doesn't help anybody except for someone being a little bit selfish. So I think it's stupid rather than immoral. I think you can always make a choice how you want to manipulate systems. I mean, ultimately, the search results is just a system. It's not owned by uh, anyone other than Google. So it's really saying, look, do you want to break their rules? Do you want to specifically do things that they say they do not want you to do? And if you get found out doing it, they will drop your results from their search results. So it's just deciding how you want to play their game. They've published the rules, and if you want to break the rules, then it is definitely a risky game. And for some people, the commercial um, reward for doing that is worthwhile. They have a, um, they'll talk about it in hero terms, like they have a, a high tolerance for risk. I just think it's a very short-term way to build a long-term business. Like you, you wouldn't do it. The big companies like BMW have been caught for doing this sort of stuff, and they've JC paid the Penny. price. Yep, J.C. Penny, and then there's this florist company recently. So I, it's not a game I play. I think it's a dumb game to play. And I think it's uh, when I see these black hat communities, what I usually see, kids who sleep under desks in bean bags or sleeping bags and they don't have a family. They're not long-term serious players. They're just, they're just having a bit of fun like they're out for a night out on the drinks. It's not going to last. It's not it's a not way to build a solid business. It's not something you hold your head up high about and say, hey, we're so clever. Uh, I think it's just immature. I agree. And I think that's the same thing with the the lead generation and CPA business model that I used to play, I used to be a part of, is that it, it wasn't black hat and it wasn't immoral, but it was there was just no value for anyone in it. It was not a real business. It wasn't sustainable. It was let's buy traffic to generate these leads. It was just a it was very similar to black hat SEO in that way. And it's not dissimilar to what we see in the uh, internet marketing space. There's this big sort of multi level marketing buzz and people get blinded by the dollar signs and they are just greedy mofos they're not doing anything to help another human they're just selfish 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 people now i would rather go out and create value for other people and build a real business and if you look at my portfolio you'll see real businesses that have actual services that do help people and i feel fantastic about that and i will also say with things like own the race course which people can get for free, that's ownthericecourse.com. That teaches you how to get traffic and to drive a real business, and it's actually just as easy to do than all the effort you'll require for black hat methods. Because if you're doing black hat, you have you've got to rebuild. You you know, when all the house of cards gets smashed, you have to rebuild it time and time again. 
if you build out a power site and it's not reliant on Google in the first place, but you happen to get a lot of traffic from it and it's feeding your business, then that is a far better investment of your energy and it's easier and more fun and and you can feel good about it. Exactly. The interesting thing is that most of the time, Building a real business that actually provides value to some you, to someone in some way is much easier than coming up with some hustle or some strategy or some – you know, it's like actually as easier to, to build a real business. And, and I think that, that you hit the nail on the head there, which is that a real business provides value. That's, that's the difference between like the CPA business I was doing. There was no value for anyone. It was just a complete – Lead generation hustle. It was not, there was no value being generated. And I think that's the difference is that when you've got something real, you are, you are creating value for people in exchange for dollars. Absolutely. Yeah. We're on the same page with that one. So moving on. <laughs> we're the good guys. <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's just a question for the listeners, which is, you know, where are you crossing the line and what is crossing the line for you? So everyone has their own standards. And the question that you should ask yourself is, are you breaking yours? Because that's what matters is how, where you stand on all this stuff. Because it's a spectrum, you know, it's like the gender spectrum. There's not just male and female. There's this whole spectrum of gender that people fall on. And some people have more testosterone and, so, you know, some people fall in the middle of that spectrum. And I think that ethics and morals is a spectrum like that. And I think somehow related to this is what sort of excuses are you making to yourself and how, how responsible are you? If you, were to, if you were to catch someone doing unethical things, what I would call unethical, they'll usually come up with an excuse like I had to or I needed to make rent or I didn't have a choice or you know I was desperate or whatever and insert excuse one, two, three, four, five. That's just dribble. People do have a choice and you can make a decision. When I started out online, I couldn't believe the silly, crazy offers and and, uh, screaming red headline stuff, the junk that people push. I didn't understand how this business model worked or that it would be sustained. And now, about six or seven years down the track, indeed, many of those guys are out of business. I would suggest you need to put a timeline in there when you're looking at ethics how long do you want to play the game? Because if you want to be around in a decade from now, like the Amazons of the world who, who I think took seven years until they made a profit, that's a long game. And same with Apple. I think he, he went in for the long haul, just make good stuff. And it worked really well. I got to be the most profitable company in the world at some point. So how long do you want to play the game for and how responsible do you want to be? It's really good. What are you telling yourself? It's the easiest thing in the world to not be honest with yourself. Forget about being honest with other people. How true are you being to yourself? It's a good question to ask. Here's a question for you, James. Have you ever had a business partner and had them and your moral code didn't match up with them? And how did that come up and how was it resolved? Probably, uh, well, I don't take on partnerships lightly. In fact, this episode, this um, podcast, Think At Get, is the only business partnership that I currently have in play to put that put a highlight on that I don't do partnerships generally and unless it's an extremely good fit and I have strong filters for integrity uh, morals ethics talent ability I'm not I'm just not going to partner unless there's a match because again for me it's about compromise I don't want to compromise those things just for a dollar 
In the past, probably the closest I've come is I've had employers who had very different morals and ethics than what I had. And it was a, a misalignment and it made me feel very conflicted. And in the end, the ultimate remedy was for me to have my own business and to be in control of my own destiny and to not be compromised by the morals and ethics of my uh, employer. You know, that's a tough spot to be in too because you want, obviously when you are an employee, you want to keep your job. But how do you handle it if your boss and, and your employers are doing things that are shady or under the table? It's not a position I've ever been in. I've been in it uh, many times actually. <laughs> Something about the motor industry but most of the uh, senior management uh, or owners have got their little foibles. It's uh, It's very interesting but they – yeah, there were some shocking, shocking things that would go on and some things I, I couldn't even say in a podcast knowing that it goes out to the public but I can tell you the best solution was to leave and to have my own business but it's very hard when you're on an extremely high salary and all your money's coming from one place. You know, this brings me to my next story which is – and I'm going to probably get in trouble and catch some flack for this one. So here it goes. I'm going to advise you to not be honest all the time. And here's what I mean by that. So if you, you tell someone the truth, you now, like, the straighter you are with someone, the more truth you tell them equals the level of intimacy you have with that person. So when you're looking at the people you're dealing with, you have to figure out how much intimacy do you want with that person? Because if you're going to hit someone with some truth, if you're going to really tell them what you think about how they're behaving and all that kind of stuff, it's, it's irresponsible to just go blowing people's minds with truth and then walking away. Like, I feel like you've got to be willing to talk with that person and handle their stuff. And so when I say don't be honest all the time, what I mean is don't necessarily have to tell people everything that you're thinking or everything that you perceive about them because it's irresponsible to do so if you're not willing to take responsibility for what you've said and deal with that person after you've told them that. And I think that that's a very controversial topic. You know, honesty, people have a lot going on honesty. And I think that, that you should be honest, but you maybe not, don't necessarily want to share all your cards all the time unless you're willing to have a certain level of intimacy with that person that you're dealing with. Yeah, well, I haven't really heard of this approach before. I guess I would, when I think about what you're talking about, as I process it, I'm thinking more about filters. And I do get in trouble sometimes for being too direct. That's that's the polite word that I'd say. And my way of approaching it is, is just sometimes you need some shock absorption or s some filters. So it's not about being dishonest. So think about it in terms of mechanics. Think about your the wheel on your car driving along the road and it is going through potholes and then – the shock absorber is taking some of that shock from the wheel and minimizing it so that the car has a smoother ride. Now, when you turn the steering wheel left or right, this, the wheel is still faithful to that direction. It's still aligned and it's still congruent. You turn right, the wheel goes to the right. You turn left, it goes to the left. But it's not passing on every single harsh vibration or transmission. It's soaking some of that up with the shock absorber. And for me, that is a filter or an absorption. So when I'm dealing with people, I try and see if they want the direct response. So for example, if someone hires me to help them grow their business, which happens a lot, I ask them what level of involvement do they want in, in terms of reality or truth. 
And some of them say, I just want you to serve up the punches. I don't want any, any shock absorption, no filtering, just tell it to me like it needs to be. Those people will typically get the best results because they're ready to, they want to be more responsible. They want, they just want to know. Now, I'll give you a specific example of this. Recently, uh, as recently as a week ago, I hired someone to help me on a project for the business. And I hired them to just tell me, how it is and to give me the most direct feedback possible to make positive changes and the report that he sent through is about six or seven pages and it was just unbelievably hard to read because it was exposing areas of my business that I could be pride driven on I could have felt that I was already quite an expert on it but it was showing me flaws and things that you know really highlighting the gaps and making it obvious where it's not as good as it could be and where it needs to change and there was no filtering i mean it was raw my first reaction was i was yeah i was angry about it uh just just had that moment of even embarrassment and and then my next reaction was i'm going to make every single step on the report i'm going to action it and i did it in one day and already within one day, I had significant up results from the changes. And I now realized that it was exactly what I wanted. And I have now engaged this person again for the next series, like on the, the next part, because it's okay not to have to be the expert on everything. And the best type of feedback is solicited feedback that you actually ask for because you're prepared and ready. Now, I get a ton of people giving me unsolicited feedback on people I never never heard of before. They'll hit me up and they'll say, listen, you know, you really need to do this or really need to do that. I'm like, hey, I don't even know who you are. Like, show me your video before you rip mine apart, stranger. And it is, I don't want that level of intimacy with a complete stranger telling me where I'm so deficient with this, that and the other. I'd rather invite the critique. I'd rather say, hey, could you, you know, how am I going? What can I improve? How can I do better? When I ask that question, I'm actually asking for people to answer it and I'll be ready for the answers because I'm open to it and I'm, I'm in the phase where I can deal with it. But I think we're quite sensitive little emotional beings and we're not always wanting feedback and not always ready to deal with it. Yeah, that's a good point. I got I to ask you, did you come up with that uh, analogy on the spot? Yes, that's what I do. I got to I, I, you know what, man? Next time we get together, I'm going to have to buy you a beer for that. That was incredible. Got you know, in that. Silver Circle, there's a section called the Metaphorium. And the idea behind that is you just say a scenario, something that you want to explain to somebody, and I'll give you a metaphor that helps explain it in a much easier way, like a story version. And I went and watched a movie last night called Lincoln. And I noticed that Lincoln... Oh, I want to see that. Well, Daniel Day-Lewis, I want to see that. He tells a lot of stories, this Lincoln guy. It's no wonder that he was uh, persuasive and influential because he got his point across by just telling stories. And that is a very powerful thing, probably an entire episode. But yeah, I'm happy to help you come up with stories. Yeah, that's a good one. I bet you could do a segment on the, on the video blog, get people to... I bet you people would, would generate a bunch of comments. And you could you could come up with uh, you should do a me- you should do a I'm metaphor. I'm writing this down video. now. I'm good. writing this down. This is fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I think it'll be great, man. I'll I'll put some stuff in there. So, <laughs> moving on to the weekly willpower wager. <laughs> so here's what we got. 
for the weekly willpower wager this week, and it ties right into what we've been talking about. I would like you, for the next seven days, we would like you to try being absolutely 100% and completely honest with everyone about everything. No filters. So just experience what it's like to not filter your responses to people and see what happens. See, see the responses you get from folks so you can really get uh, where we're coming from with this, with this filtering suggestion. I think it's a, it's a good practice. Maybe do it for a day so you don't get in too much trouble, but I think it'd be an interesting. Uh, Jim Carrey. It's got Jim Carrey, liar, liar. <laughs> yeah. Isn't there you a know, movie just, about uh, this with um, Ricky Gervais? Or Jim Carrey, yeah. I think it's Liar Liar. No, there's one one oh, where they not. can only tell the truth. I, you know what? I think there's one with both. I think we're, we're both on the right track. And I think I, I really don't like Jim Carrey. Terrible, just a, a cheesy actor. You don't like Jim Carrey? Oh, come on, dude. We're talking about... Not, a, not even the slightest bit. He's annoying. But the movie that I'm thinking of is called The Invention of Lying. And I think it better represents what we're talking about here and it's a comedy where people have never lied and they just always speak the truth and it's a really fascinating movie so i I think that's the better one okay and if if it's too intense for you to speak the truth all week just go ahead and watch that movie and you'll get the same experience go and watch the invention of lying and see why it's probably not a great idea i'm I'm not dispensing this advice i'm distancing myself because you just told me five minutes ago don't be honest all the time. So I'm, I'm now I'm getting confused. Oh, well, I just think it, I, I want them. I want our listeners to filter them, filter their responses to people. I think it's a nice thing to do. But I think in order to get context, you should try not doing it at least once. See what happens. Um, okay. <laughs> so next week we're covering uh, relationship. <laughs> oh, no, just okay. kidding. News and updates, oh. James. What have we got? Uh, well. Okay, so I'm over in Manila as we record this and I come over here every three months, uh, sit down with my team, the people who I spend most of my time with. I, I spend my time with customers and my team. That's it. And with the team, what we do is we pull apart the business and then we rebuild it. And last week we went through all of the numbers. We have a basically that's a it's a data discussion decisions that's week one so we go through all the numbers of the business we then have a discussion around what the numbers are telling us and what they're showing us to do objectively and then we make decisions okay this is what we plan to do and then the second week is implementation week and that's what i'm doing this week this is where we get stuff done so i'll give an example that's close to our heart last week we sat down and edited a couple of think act get podcast episodes uh, with the team, and that's why there's a few little sound effects in the uh, in there. Uh, some of the ninjas make a guest appearance, and we did that together so that I could show the team what decisions I make when I make the edit and where I insert the sound effects and the procedure, the standard operating procedure for making a podcast like this, which is to join up the two tracks together to make us look much better and smarter than we really are by cutting out ums and ahs and gaps and stuff. Uh, to find the funniest part and put it at the very beginning as a curiosity grabber and then to insert the various sound effects 
as we go through the podcast for the news and updates and the willpower wager and then to export it, render it, make it all sound nice. So we did that together and then after that, my team member is able to then take on the editing and I don't have to do it anymore, which means I can spend my time doing the part that I enjoy the most and that's also the hardest to be replaced is to me actually be talking to you and to record that. That's the only part of this podcast that I really want to focus on and now I'm able to do that because I've had this uh, this uh, basically this training and that's what we do in our business every quarter. So that's my news for this week and it's, it's been quite a consuming couple of weeks and the most amazing uh, output that we've done. The entire business has changed. We've migrated um, a bunch of websites across to another one. We've found the most profitable products and we're focusing on those. We've dropped some of the things that we shouldn't be focusing on and we've made some decisions that make our life a lot easier. That's fantastic. And that's amazing that every three months you are outsourcing whatever the tasks that you've, that you've taken on or that you've developed. And it, I'm guessing it really gives you opportunity to continue to grow because every, all these cycles that you're taking on and starting – you're then figuring out how to outsource to the team. Well, you know, superfastbusiness.com is a powerful, powerful site right now. As of time of recording, it's near on 70,000 page views for the last 30 days. And it wow. is putting we're putting out a video or an audio pretty much every day with a custom picture and we're syndicating that. Now, I did that myself 10 months ago, every day. <laughs> I did every step of it. And then my next trip over to the Philippines, I sat down with the team and said, this is what I am doing. This is what I'd like you to do. Let's work out a procedure. And I was able to pass that across. And now that I've got that team in place, my main job is just to make the video. And I enjoy that part the most. So yes, every single time I come, I definitely have things in mind that I would like to hand over and uh, not have to do myself. So I'd basically innovate, uh, document, and then pass over the procedure and it does allow growth and that's why I've uh, 21 years in a row now I've had a pay rise <laughs> each year uh, from the time I started my first full-time job to now every single year's made more money than the year before I love that innovate and then document that's a really good uh, yeah. system for people that's to recognize from memory I told you that this week <laughs> you were telling me you're telling me something you're doing and I said, hey, make sure you document that because if you're doing it, plenty of other people would love to know the checklist on yeah, how I to do that. Yeah, I created an SOP that night too, so, uh, which I'll share uh, at some point there on the go. Smart Marketer blog. So, uh, Let's move on to the comments. Man, we had some interesting comments. We had this one guy, Tony Peacock, and he says, thanks guys, great content. Ezra, you sound like a Scientologist. <laughs> some of those words... <laughs> Some of those words and ideas are straight out of Scientology. Thank you for sharing. So I had no idea that I sounded like a Scientologist. I have nothing. Are you a I'm Scientologist? I'm not a Scientologist. I have nothing against Scientology. Oh, and I'm not judging you. I'm but not you know, judging I, I you. Think I, get, I think I understand. I've traced back why this guy thinks I'm a Scientologist. And it's because I grew up on this hippie commune that was, you know, coming, that, were, that was sort of forming these ideas on um, – 
you know, relationship and communication and lifestyle and all that stuff at the same time that Elrond uh, and Scientology were coming up. And I think that maybe they had some crossover. I don't know, but some of the concepts must be similar. But uh, I've never, I've never read any Scientology text or anything like that. I do see them all the time in the subways in New York City and uh, in uh, in Grand Central. They're always there, and they've got the books and the stress tests and all that kind of stuff. But but I'm not actually a Scientologist. Although there's two guy, two uh, uh, there's a couple in my SEO mastermind that is uh, Scientology that are Scientologists and they're lovely people. So nothing against Scientologists. I am just not a Scientologist. I just want to be clear about that. Um, okay. I'll tell you something uh, that's interesting to me, Ezra, is in about 1995, when I was starting my sales job, I went and bought all the books that I could on different religions, everything I could find, you know, like Buddhism, Scientology, whatever. The Scientology one I had to order from their society. And here's the interesting thing. I've been sent a handwritten follow-up every single year since 1995 till wow. now. Still, they are, without without doubt, the best CRM follow-up system I've ever experienced as a consumer. Handwritten letter several times a year since 1995. So we're recording this in 2013. <laughs> <laughs> this is me thinking that Think Get's going to be around for a long time, right? Uh, so think about that for a follow-up cycle. I'm still not a Scientologist, by the way. <laughs> it ain't doing jack shit to convert me. But you know, from, from my point of view, if you're going to go out and write science fiction novels and create and found like a cult movement with no scientific basis, then th- it's not going to wash with me. But you know, we'll leave that for the religion discussion. Yeah, yeah which we probably won't have on this comp podcast. But but uh, not judging no, them. No, we're not. You believe okay. whatever you want. So. <laughs> Ian McConnell of Western Australia, not Eastern Australia, but Western Australia, says, freaking awesome is what this podcast is. The structure, the organization of the material. Thank you so much, Ian. Uh, The content is absolutely brilliant. Thank you both for giving superb value. (laughs) Thanks, Ian. We appreciate that. We also had Amanda Evans who wrote in and said, great episode, guys. I love the humor. Lots of food for thought. And as always, plenty of direction for success. Wonderful, wonderful comments. We really, really appreciate you taking the time to listen to our show. Nice. So where are we at now, James? We're up to the think about it quote. So I might let you lead this one think off. Yeah, it. you think about it. You do your quote while I just check the one that you've got here for me because I'm not sure about this one. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, you could come up with another one if you want. I just uh, I thought that was an interesting one. So let's roll. Uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, I'm not actually sure if his middle name is Delano, but Franklin D. Roosevelt, the 32nd president of the United States, said a good leader can't get too far ahead of his followers. And, you know, this this rolls right into one of the uh, tips that we have for today. And I really believe that. I think that if you're going to lead a group of people, then you should try to keep them uh, as close to you as possible. Keep them in the know. Um, keep them, you know, not be way off ahead of your group and above your group and up on a pedestal. You should be right there with the group of people that you are with or that you're, you know, your community that you're leading because you are one of your community. You know, you don't have to necessarily make this hierarchy or this division. I think that, um, in my experience anyways, I much prefer groups like yours, James, where, where everyone is an equal. We're all peers and it's not like you're being this big guru and we're all, you know, kissing your ring and all that stuff. Yeah. And you mean like wedding ring there, of course. So the, this quote here, uh, you've <laughs> kindly grabbed a quote for me, which is nice. It's, um, hard workers are usually honest. Uh, 
industry lifts them above temptation. And I think uh, by industry, I think that means if the, if someone's kept busy, then they're so busy that they don't have time to be tempted by evil or whatever. I guess that's uh, one of the traits that I've found with dishonest people, and I have seen this before in business, fraud or deception, usually they're a little bit lazy as well. So I, I can't really disagree with that quote. It's by Christian Bovee. But something that's in line with the um, topic today about business ethics, in this movie that I watched last night about Lincoln, he had some quote around seeds of time. Like you plant these seeds and he said, time has a habit of thickening things. And that's my tip around ethics. If you if you're planting seeds that are good seeds, then they might thicken up to something nice. And if you're planting seeds that are a little bit dodgy, then you just got to watch out what they grow. Absolutely. I like that. I like how you modified that one. It's awesome. All right. We're at the tag tips. And this one is around systems and people. This one is teach your team everything you know. And I see this a lot, actually. Entrepreneurs quite often are reluctant to share things with the people that are in their business. And they do that on on the basis, well, what if I teach them all this stuff and they leave? And there's a great quote and it's something like, well, what if you don't teach them all the stuff and they stay? So have them go through the same information that you go through. Send them off things that you think are interesting. Give them access to the numbers and the reports and the transparency. The two things that I think you should still hang on to are the checkbook and the marketing strategy. I don't think you can expect people to want, you know, want to drive the business or grow the business as much as you do being the founder. And I think the checkbook is just a pertinent thing to hang on to and make sense. But there are still ways you can limit access and allow people to do refunds, etc., cetera, uh, and to compile and tabulate pays, but you still have a checking process in place. But you should be the one to, to sign all checks. And if you can share with your team where you're going and, and the things that in, influence you, then the magic word here is context. You're giving them the context to understand why you're in business and how you do business and what is the culture of the business and the values and the ethics of the business. So a specific example of this is today I had a customer uh, refer a friend of theirs to one of our services and then this customer came back to me said, hey, listen, you know, the friend I referred was, wasn't really excited about the deliverables. So I'm, I thought that was really bizarre. I went into the report i read the report we'd sent and i gotta say it was fantastic it was accurate it was exactly uh what we said it would be we only charged 20 dollars for this by the way and it told the customer exactly what he needs to do to fix his problem but he was looking for a magic bullet a unicorn a, a, a silver lining you know something amazing that just is magical and doesn't actually exist so i phoned up this person and i said hey i'm just calling you about this report can you tell me it seems you're unhappy with it but i've read it and i don't really understand what the confusions about because it tells you exactly what to do and then in the end he apologized he said that he'd love to order our services and he thought perhaps he was a victim of not knowing what he doesn't know and he was hoping for a magical exam answer that doesn't actually exist but the point here is my team answered the 
query the exact same way that I would have. They compiled a report with screenshots and advice in exactly the same way that I would have answered it had I done it myself because I'm sending them snippets and trainings and relevant education items and we discuss things so often that they're literally thinking the same way that I would think about it. I think that's really, really good and a really good tip. And, you know, scarcity only keeps you smaller. You know, the only reason you wouldn't want your team to know everything you know is because you're, you have, you're running some level of scarcity. And, and that scarcity that you have going on is only going to keep you from growing. So I love that one. The next one we have is mindset and strategy. And it's to join a mastermind, any mastermind, not just a business mastermind. Now we highly recommend business mastermind groups. I'm part of James's silver circle. I think it's the best mastermind. It is by far the best mastermind that I'm a part of. I love it. Um, I have a mastermind, which I also love. I think is great. I think you should join a business mastermind and any other type of activity or thing in your life that you want to get better at. The way that you get better at things is by relating with other people who are also doing that particular thing and talking to them on a regular basis about how to achieve greater results with it, finding out what's working for them. It's just a really fantastic way to guarantee yourself results because what you're doing is you're tapping into the results of a network of people who are all having the same collective experience you are doing the same things you are. It's why this podcast is so much fun for James and I because here we are, we're peers, we're doing the same thing and we get to like rap philosophical about mindset and lifestyle and that kind of stuff. So every week I get so much value. I've I've now changed my viewpoint on customer service based on this conversation. So I think it's a really cool thing and and relating with and connecting with other people in a mastermind format is just a really quick and easy way to um, grow your skill set in any area of life. Nice. Okay. So you got another tip there about travel. Got one last one, which is a lifestyle tip. And I think travel, you know, James is in Manila right now. I was in Austin, Texas last weekend. Get outside your comfort zone. Move around. Get some perspective on how, on how different people live their lives. And one of the things that has changed the way that I uh, relate with the world was my trips to Japan and China, Australia and New Zealand and Costa Rica. And every time I leave America, and I get perspective on the way that I live my life in America and the way that other people live their lives in other countries. It's just like a, and I'm not even saying you have to change countries or travel outside the, outside your country, but I think that moving locations and having a look at how people are doing things in other areas is just a really nice exercise to have in your life because it will give you some perspective that you can't get in the physical location that you are. Totally agree. So if you can start even virtual traveling, that helps. I and mean, we're in Skype groups with different people and Facebook groups with people from all around the world, even seeing their pictures, a different season, it's snowing somewhere, it's sunny somewhere else. You get to experience a lot of the world with Facebook and if you can actually get out and do it in real life, that is amazing. And I've traveled around the world a few times in the last five or six years since I quit my desk job and it has certainly grown me as a person and meeting you like face to face it's it was good one of i can, the joys I can of actually your life. see the sexy jesus in real life <laughs> yeah it was like the apparition became re- reality uh, so anyway let's just summarize this we've been talking about business ethics and what role they play in business and we've had some pretty strong viewpoints i wonder if our listener shares these viewpoints i think this could create a good discussion on thinkactget.com. There's a comment section there. And we'd love to hear your point of view. And certainly if you've got any uh, ratings you'd like to give, even if it's a crappy rating, at least tell us what you think. Uh, Ultimately, you've got your own opinion. We've got ours. And uh, thank you so much for listening to Think Act Get. Ezra, you want to wrap us out? 
Yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Ezra is not a Scientologist. <laughs> Neither is James. <laughs> All right. Okay, catch you next time. Thanks so much. This has been another episode of Think, Act, Get with James Schramko and Ezra Firestone. For more tips and tutorials on how to grow your business faster, visit thinkactget.com and join the newsletter. It's free.